you have a Bible, turn with me, First John, or John chapter 1. And I am going to read verse number 42. And as you are getting that verse, I will tell you that I have preached from this particular verse before. Um, I have uh, mentioned it uh, on various occasions, but I have never been seized by it, and I use that word in its truest sense, like I have over the last few weeks when I have tried to get my hands around what this verse uh, actually speaks. And I hope that I can share that with you this morning. First, or John, the first chapter, and verse number 42 reads like this, and he brought him to Jesus, speaking of Simon. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. Often when I have used this verse of Scripture, my focus has been on the transformation of the life of Simon Peter, a man that all of us know when you read through the New Testament was quite a character. But over the last few weeks, I have become aware that more than a revelation of Simon, it is a revelation of Jesus Christ and what he does and what he means to us and in our lives. And that song that we just sang, Jesus, 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 what a wonder you are. That song, more than anything, conveys the message that I want to bring to you this morning. And he still is a wonder to me. Amen. I, I'm still in awe of him, even this morning. And I have been uh, trying to serve him for many, many years, since I was 11 years old. Actually, it started long before that, when I was six years old. I felt the need to be baptized, and I began to seek the Lord. And I'm 56 tonight, or today, I'll be 57 in a few weeks. I have been a long journey, but the longer I serve Him, the sweeter. Amen. The sweeter He grows in my life. Praise God. Come on, let's love Him together right now. Lord, we praise You this morning. We bless and magnify Your name, Lord, above every name. Thank You, Lord, for being who You are. Praise Your name. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. To me, this is one of the most amazing texts in the entire Bible. Like many verses, it is not lengthy, but it carries such a powerful message and such insight as to the Lord and His amazing work in the life of man. It shows me so many things about Him, and it helps me understand more 
about the process that's going on in my own life. It tells me how the Lord operates and how He interacts with us and toward us. And it gives an insight certainly into uh, the, the motivations behind all that the Lord does. There are times in my life when I look around and I see what's going on and I have to step back and say, God, I don't understand this, but I certainly appreciate it. Anybody here this morning understand what I mean by that? There are things, blessings that come into your life and there are things that at one moment seem to tragedy and then somehow God takes that and turns it and the next thing you know, you're rejoicing over that because of what it has produced in your life and where it has brought you and how it has helped you to grow and you thank God. You say, God, I don't know why you do this, but I am so glad that you do. And that's what this verse gives me an insight as to why God does what he does and why he is what he is to you and I. This was Peter's inaugural introduction to Jesus. It was the first encounter. As far as we know, before this particular event, they had never met and Jesus did not know him personally. And so... He is brought by his brother Andrew. Andrew said, we have found him, that is Messiah. And Peter being the skeptic and the guy that he was, I'm certain was not there because he felt some deep spiritual emotion drawing him, but probably more out of curiosity than anything else. Could this really be the Messiah? Peter's a fisherman. He is... He is a man of uncertain character and many times Peter is like holding sand in your hand. The harder you try to hold on, the more it slips away. Simon would be fickle and he would be unpredictable and volatile and, and at times he would be foul-mouthed and there were moments when he was bold and brassy. He was an unreliable prospect to say the least. And then the Lord began to speak into his life. And oh, thank God for the day that God began to speak into his life. Because it was that day when God began to speak into his life that his life truly began to be transformed. It was not an overnight success. He didn't go from one moment being what he was to the next moment being a saint. But it was a process that the Lord started in his life and it carried on until the end of his days. And what he could always go back to was this encounter and this experience that he had with God on this eventful day when the Lord declared some things over his life and the Lord spoke into his life some powerful things that would continue to work and continue to transform his life for years to come. What a wonderful thing it is when God speaks into your life. Because when God speaks into your life, 
It is never a word for only the moment, but it is a word for a lifetime. You will come back to that over and over and over again and remind yourself of what God said and what God promised and what God spoke. And it's that that keeps us going and it's that that brings us even to this sanctuary today. The Lord speaking into our lives. And I am thankful this morning that one day God spoke into my life and I had enough sense to pay attention and listen to what he was saying and heed what his words were speaking into my life. And what transformation, what what he spoke into Peter's life was transforming and it would continue to work in his life. That's what you have when you have Jesus That's what you have when you have the Lord working with you and in you. That's what you have when you have Him speaking into your life. You have a work that will continue to transform and renew and remake over and over and over and over again. Somebody said amen. It was a young woman that sat one night through a service with a hostile expression on her face. And as soon as the preacher had given the benediction, she strode quickly to the front of the auditorium and and greeted him as he was trying to greet other worshipers. And she she demanded some time with him. And being uh, the preacher and the diplomat that he was, he suggested that, They wait until they could slip away to his study and they would have plenty of time to talk. And so she waited for a few moments and finally he slipped away. And when they entered into the study, he sat down at his desk. This woman erupted in a volcano of words and accusations. And the verbal fuselage that began to erupt there was almost... Uh, unbelievable. She said in a bold voice, how could you waste all that time talking about that pie in the sky business and you're not anything but a fraud. You're not helping anybody. There is nothing to what you are saying And on and on she rambled, tearing apart every point of his message. And it took him back. He didn't know how to respond to her. And finally, after she had said all that she could say, and and he thought it was all over with, she slammed the door shut in her mind, she thought, by making this statement. She said, I want to know, what do you have When you have Jesus anyway. What do you have when you have Jesus anyway? Well what you have is what Simon had. And what you have is what many others have had. You see you have one who never speaks into your life without purpose. And you have one that will never play games with your spiritual destiny. You have one who will never play with your emotions. But when he speaks, he speaks with purpose and intent. And so when you look at the story and the encounter between Peter 
and the Lord on that very first occasion. What you see is the answer to this woman's question. What do you have when you have Jesus? You have, first of all, a friend who will confront you with the reality of who you are. You have somebody that can cut through all of the red tape and all of the facade and all of the veneer and all of the plastic and all of the other things that we do to make ourselves other than what we are. He cuts through to the very core and he said, Thou art Simon. Never met him before, but he knew him. He knew him all the way to the core. He knew him all the way to the center of his being. He knew everything about him. He said, you are, and when he said you are, he got down personal. He got right down where Simon Peter was living. It was almost, he was saying to him, I know you. Now, to a lot of people, that's unnerving. That doesn't seem to be much of an encouragement that he would be able to have that kind of insight into your life and he would be able to step into your life and say something so boldly and so powerfully, I know you. I know who you are. I know what you are. I know what motivates you. I know what you are operating under. I know what you said. I know what you've done. I know what you are. And there in that moment of truth, Simon Peter knew as well. Amen. He knew. Obviously the master knew Simon's name, but did he really know Simon? Oh, yes, he knew him. Because when he addressed him in that name, he knew the quick temper. He knew the emotional impulse. He knew the loud, unpredictable, undependable, unstable man that he was. He knew him to be that man that others knew him to be. But that didn't bother him. You know, that's what amazes me about the Lord. What do you have when you have Jesus? You have one who knows you and he knows who you are and he is not afraid of what you are. What you have when you have Jesus is one who knows you to the core. And what Peter was at that time did not worry Jesus. And that's what I like about him. What I am right now, whether it's good or bad, does not worry him about me. He was a foul-mouthed fisherman at that moment. He was unpredictable at that moment. He was impulsive at that moment. He was quick-tempered at that moment. But that wasn't what he was going to remain to be because the Lord had spoken into his life and this was just the beginning. But you see, God has to start somewhere with us. And so God begins with this self-revelation. He said, okay, let's cut through the tape. You can fool your mama, you can fool your daddy, you can fool your husband, you can fool your wife, you can fool your boss, you can fool your city, you can even fool your synagogue or your church, but you can't fool me. I know who you are. Oh, my friend, he really does. He knows all the secret things you did last night. He knows all the evil that you thought yesterday. He knows all of the things that you were involved in last week. He knows all of that. He sees every detail. 
And when you have him, you have one who knows you. And that's where you really need to begin. Because if, if you deal with humanity very long, you find one thing is true. It takes a long time to get people to look at themselves as what they are and say, okay, this is what my problem is. You know what I've discovered counseling people? 99% of the time when people come to my office for counseling, what they initially begin to talk about is not the problem. It's a symptom. And it takes a long time of digging through all of that to get to what the real problem is. And sometimes you do, and sometimes people bolt and run. Because when you start getting to the real core issue, what's really wrong in their life, they don't want that to be exposed. But you know what Jesus does? He just cuts through all that. He doesn't give you an opportunity to run. He doesn't give you an opportunity to posture yourself and say, Oh, well, you you must be talking about somebody else. No, I'm not talking about somebody else. I'm talking about you. He knows me. He knows every detail of my life. And so it was so disarming to Simon. He didn't have time to run. He didn't have time to argue. He didn't have time to refute. He stands there with his mouth open wondering how in the world does he know all that. But that's Jesus. He just knows. And so it begins a process of opening the eyes of Simon to the real Simon, getting beyond all of the facade and the veneer and all that he pretended to be, and he got down to where he really was. And he said, Simon, this is what you are. What a revelation. What an eye-opening moment. And what he showed Simon in that moment I believe, was every detail of his life. He showed him all of the weaknesses. He showed him all of the insecurities. He showed him all of the failures. He showed him all of the the misgivings of his life. There wasn't one detail of his life that he left out. He pulled the curtain back and exposed him in that moment of intimate conversation. And he did that because he said, if we're going to get anywhere, this is where we have to start. We have to start with the real you. You know why some people never get very far living for God? Because it takes God a long time to get to the real them. Not that he can't, they just won't let him. But until God can get to the real me, we can't make any progress. We can't grow, we can't develop, we can't get better, we can't get over. You can't get past wherever you are right now until you get down to who you are. And that's where he starts. Who I really am. Amen. It's not comfortable, just like it's not comfortable right now. Some of you don't even want to look up and look at me because you don't like what that statement reveals, what I am. I don't want anybody to know what I am. But that's where he has to begin. That's where he starts with everybody. He has to get down to that core of what I am and who I am. And it's very uncomfortable. I don't know, but I kind of have a feeling that for a moment there was a pause. As Peter looks at him and wonders, 
Whoa. What's this all about, Jesus? Thou art Simon. Comma. Now, in my books, a comma is a pause. And so I would agree or I would assume from the Greek there was an indication of a pause. I don't know how. It may not have been that long, but I feel like there was an awkward bit of silence there as Simon contemplated what the Lord had just said. What do you told? I, 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 I thought we were coming to see the Messiah, not a psychic. The Lord said, I've got something for you, Simon. Before I can do anything for you, we've got to find out where you are and who you are. Listen to me, church. You're never going to make any progress unless you can let God find you where you are and talk to you as who you are. You'll never get beyond what you are at the moment. And so there was that moment of self-revelation. There was that moment when God called Simon to see himself. And that's the wonder of Jesus. Jesus, the Bible said, he looked intently at him for a moment and then said, You are Simon, John's son. Period. But I love those contractions and I I love it when God adds that extra word there you shall be called Peter you see when you and I come into that encounter with him we not only have somebody who confronts us with the reality of who we are today but he also challenges us with the possibilities of what I can become tomorrow. He doesn't keep me focused on the degrading, uh, demoralizing person that I am. He only brings me there so I can have a point of beginning. And he said, okay, now we've settled this. Let's move on. Let's grow. There's a better man in you, Simon, than's been shown around this city. There's a better man in you, sir, than been shown to your family. There's a better woman in you that's been shown to your family. There's a better woman or a man in you than been shown to your community. And so I just want you to know, I'm here, Peter. I only, I not only know who you are, but I know where I want to take you. And if you'll let me, if you'll walk with me, if you'll work with me, if you'll let me have my way in your life, You shall be. You will not continue to be what you are. But there will be a transformation in your life. And he said, I will move and I will make you a new man. Amen. Frankly, what Jesus was telling him was, I know you. I know what men say about you. I know what a profane pretender you are. I know what a blustering braggart you are. I know what a vacillating man you are. I know how weak you are. But I also know what you can become. And that's what I'm speaking to. Is what you can become. You see that's the work of the Lord. It's never a completed work. It's always a continuing work. We're never brought to that place where we have made it, but God is continually working. You see, when God speaks into my life, He speaks not of what I am only, but what I can become and what I can be. He speaks of what I should be. Everybody say, what I should be. 
It's amazing when you read the New Testament how many times the Lord made statements toward people that they did not deserve. He called a woman with an issue of blood who according to the law was unclean. She could not worship at the temple. She could not bring sacrifices because 12 years she had been hemorrhaging in her body. As a matter of fact, by the law, she could be divorced because of her disease. She had gone to every doctor. She had spent everything she could spend. She was unclean. Nobody wanted anything to do with that woman with the issue of blood. But when she got the boldness to come after the Lord, she said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. It's amazing. When the Lord turned and addressed her, he did not rebuke her. He did not call her unclean. Go read your Bible. He turned and he said to her, daughter, daughter, you are made whole. When the Lord speaks to me, he doesn't speak to me as what I am at the moment, but he speaks to me of what I shall become and what I should become if he works in my life as he desires to work. You see, he called us children of light, although some of us are far from that this morning. Because some of us love darkness better than light. We love dark things better than light. But still, in his, in his vision of me, he sees me as a child of light. When God gave a man a name, it was a call to a new place. It was a call to a new height. It was, it was to arouse something in him like a bugle call. It was to alert him that you may be a failure right now, but that's not what you should remain. And you may be a child of darkness right now, but I'm calling you to be a child of light. I'm calling you to be a reflection of me. So come on, let's get up and become what God said we ought to be. Hallelujah. Surely Simon, in hearing would hear and he would pull himself together and move toward that calling. If I had anything that I could say to this church that you would take home with you today, I would beg you to please heed what God is speaking into your life and let it move you toward what God is calling you to become. You may look at yourself this morning and think that you're a failure and you're no account and you're just a mistake and you're a misfit. But you hear me, if God is still working and God is still speaking, and I believe that He is, there's still a better man in me and there's still a better woman in you. And there's still a better person that I can become. And that is what I need to be moving toward. Not what other people are saying about me. Not what other people think about me. I'll be honest with you. If I, if, if I did what other people think about me, I'd have cut my throat several years ago. If looks could kill, I would be dead ten times over. That's just the privilege of being pastor. Somebody's got to do it. But you know what? I'm glad my life isn't based on how you look at me. It's based on what he's speaking to me. And that's what you need to get back to. You know what? Who cares what the, what the 
news media. You know what? I got so sick the other day, I don't even want to read the newspaper anymore. I'm tired of all that. I'm tired of reading somebody else's garbage. But the truth is, we're not all that. We're, we're not all this either, but we're not all that. You know what I've decided? I've decided to go back and find and discover again what this book says about me. What this book says about me is that I may not be perfect, but if he's working in my life, I can be made perfect. God said, if I can do what's right, amen, I can do what's right by the power and the help of God. And somebody said, amen. Praise God. Somebody ought to rise up today and say, you know what? I'm tired of reading somebody else's press. I decided I'm going to be what God's called me to be. Amen. I'm tired of reading what somebody else is writing about me. I've decided to hear what God's saying about me. And God said, you are, but you shall be. Somebody say it with me. I shall be. I shall be. This is how he thinks of me. This is how greatly he loves me. You are not going to remain that way because I am going to help you. I am going to work with you. Whenever he was tempted to settle for less than his best, Peter was reminded, you shall be. When he felt like giving up, he heard the words of his master, come again, you shall be. When Peter felt like he had gotten to the end of the road, locked away in a prison, James is beheaded and he is on the auction block next. Somewhere in that darkened cell, somehow the words came back to Peter, you shall be. God's not through with me yet. And there he goes to sleep reminding himself, you shall be. And not long an angel wakes him up and said, come on, Peter, we've got a journey to take. This is not the end of your life. This is not how it's going to end. I am so glad that God can speak into my life and he can speak such powerful words that when I need them the most, they will come back to my mind and they will remind me, you're better than that. You're better than that. You're better than that. You can be more than that. You can overcome this You can get out of this mess. And somebody said, Amen. Amen. When I have the Lord on my side and when I have Him working in my life, I have someone who will not only tell me what I am, show me what I am, but show me what I can become. He also has made a commitment to stay with me through the whole journey and through the whole process. Amen. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's going to go with me every step of the way from you are to you shall be. Amen. And I haven't reached that place yet, but I know he's still with me. However difficult the work in our life might be, and sometimes it takes God a lot of working to get stuff out of us. You know, it only took him a day or so to get... Israel out of Egypt but it took him 40 years and he still didn't get all of Egypt out of Israel amen it takes a moment to be converted but it takes a lifetime to make a saint so quit being so hard on yourself quit being so hard on other people quit being so critical of other people God's not through working yet amen God's still got his hand in the mix. 
And however difficult the work is, he has made a commitment. Peter, I'm going to be with you every step of the way from where you are to what you're going to become. I'm going to walk with you through every valley. I'm going to be with you through every moment. However long it takes, I will not stop working until the work is done. Amen. I will go with you to the very ends of the earth. I thank God this morning that He is that kind of God. He will never leave me nor forsake me. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Somebody love Him with me right now. Come on, somebody lift up your voice and just thank Him for who He is. Oh, Jesus, 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 what a wonder you are. Jesus, 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 what a wonder you are. What a wonder you are. What a wonder you are. Amen. Let's stand together. The Lord deliberately spoke, purposely spoke that particular day to Simon Peter. And he speaks even this morning. And he deliberately displaces the weaker with the stronger. You are, but you shall be.